We're going to continue our series called Top Ten next week where I'm walking through how the Ten Commandments might actually give us uh, some principles that, we, that invite us into a deeper relationship with God. I'm going to continue that this, week, this coming weekend. Um, but this weekend, I've got a friend of mine in the house, and it's Pastor Mike Plain. How many of you guys have heard Pastor Mike preach before? Any of you guys? All right. We bring him in from time to time, usually a time or two a year. And uh, if you don't know who Pastor Mike is, uh, Pastor Mike was actually my boss for a little while, which I'm sure that was a challenge um, to, to do that. But um, yeah, we, we served together at the same church for a number of years. And, uh, but he's been a, a pastor. He's been uh, served on staff at churches bef- uh, many times and, and has traveled all over the country uh, ministering in churches. He's a pastor to pastor. Pastors and, uh, and so he, he has quite a resume, but for me, uh, what I love about Pastor Mike for me is that I, he's a friend of mine, but I know that he prays for me and that he has my back. And how many of you guys know you need some people in your life who pray for you and have your back, right? And that's invaluable. And so uh, there's so many things. We're so grateful. And I believe that every time he comes here, he has a fresh word from God to share with us. And so would you give Pastor Mike a big hand as he comes and shares that word this morning? I thought, man, I, I, I think I'd just like to sit here and listen to Sean preach this morning. I just, you know, it's so good to be here. And uh, just so you know, Sean wasn't that much trouble. Linda Buckle, Linda Buckle was a lot of trouble. But Sean wasn't. And I always, I always felt really good about Sean because I knew Becca would keep him in line. And she's still doing that. But um, I'm just so proud of, of you guys, how God's used you. And, you know, we just, we just sang two things that jumped out at me, really grabbed me during worship. Don't you appreciate the worship team this morning? Oh, my gosh. You know, I'm in, I'm in a lot of different churches, and, and through the years, what I've come to appreciate is, um, is good worship. What I mean by that is it's not just sounds good, but spiritually it's good. And every time I come here, the worship is spiritually. It sounds good. Don't mistake that. Don't, don't mistake what I'm saying there. But spiritually it's good. And maybe for me, the way I judge it is how much God speaks to me during worship. Why is that? Because, you know, worship is about bringing the presence of God to us. Just so you know, this part, and I think I've said this before, but this part of the service isn't for you. It's for him. You know, I pastored for local church for 25 years. I've heard it all. I didn't like that song. Pastor, I didn't like that song. Sorry, but it's not for you. How to win friends and lose people, right there. <laughs> but it really is about him. Two, two of the things that jumped out of me is that what we were worshiping this morning is that Jesus is the future. With everything that's going on, we'll probably get into some of that. We'll see where we'll go today. 
But uh, Jesus really is the future. We don't have a bleak future in front of us. We have an amazing future in front of us. Why? Because Jesus is the future. Maybe there's some of you, I don't know everybody in here, but some of you are sitting here this morning and say, well, you know, my future doesn't look good. That can change today. By how much you rend and relinquish your heart to Jesus. Because Jesus is the future. That doesn't make things, that doesn't, isn't saying that things are going to be easy. But I'm telling you, it could be good. <laughs> you know? The other thing is his faithfulness. We just sang about that song, just, he's faithful. Oh my gosh. I could, I could spend the rest of the day just talking about his faithfulness. The faithfulness of God. And really the question isn't, is God faithful? The question is about your faithfulness. How faithful are you going to be? Especially when we get into challenging times, especially, you know, what we're seeing now over, especially this last year and a half and everything that's gone on. I've, I've seen way too many people just walk away from God. God didn't leave them. They left God. And that, that breaks my heart. Why? Because God's been faithful and he will always be faithful. He can't but be faithful in your lives. And he'll walk through what, whatever you go through, he will walk through it with you. It's like, I say it this way, a lot of times what, what we want is we want God to airlift us out of our circumstances. You ever pray, oh God, get me out of this. Oh God, and, and, and Jesus, I'm not going to air, what I am going to do is I'm going to parachute into it with and be there with you. He parachutes into the midst of your circumstances and walks through it with you. That's what Psalm 23 and Psalm 84 are about. Psalm 23, the valley of the shadow of death. Psalm 84, the valley of Baca or the valley of tears. It's what it's God was present in both of those. He didn't let us, he didn't, in the scripture, he doesn't let us walk. We see, we, we don't walk through those things alone. When my, when my former wife died, he, he didn't just abandon me. He walked through that darkness and that heartbreak and that hopelessness and all the days and nights of tears. He walked through it with me. He never left me. I pastored for five years in South Dakota. I called it my five years of blood, sweat, and tears. It was very difficult. Very difficult. But I discovered a faithful God in South Dakota. And you'll never be able to convince me, no matter what your story is, you'll never be able to convince me that God is not faithful. I also learned to pray specific with God. Because for five years I prayed, God, send me south, send me south, send me south. And he sent me to South Dakota. <laughs> I was like, funny, God. Yeah, real comedian, aren't you? But he knew what he was doing because he sent me there to discover something about him. And see, sometimes you don't like your circumstance. Sometimes you don't like your situation. 
But God said, if you keep your eyes on me, I'm using this to show you something, to teach you something, to reveal something to you. Think about this. Noah spent a hundred years building the ark. And there's a scripture in Romans chapter 11 that said that the reason, that, that the primary reason that God had Noah build the ark the specific way he did and the length of time was because the end of it was his intimacy with God. It said that scripture says that at the end of those hundred years, what the hallmark was wasn't a big boat. The hallmark was this, the intimacy that Noah had with God. And when I was reading that one day, I thought, God, that's, we live our whole lives and everything that we're going through, everything that we've experienced and everything. And God says, yeah, it wasn't really about that. It maybe really wasn't about building journey or planting journey church and, and all these, you know, and spending however many years you're going to spend here. How old are you now? 43 and you already got 15 years. So let's say you spend 50 years here. It may not be about journey church, but it may probably could be about the intimacy that you too have grown in with one another and with God. And that's the richness of it. That's the richness of it. Sometimes, you know, the secondary part is maybe the planting of the church, lives are changed and all that, and that, those things are all good. But the primary thing may have been the intimacy that you've grown, grown in with him. Because the thing about it is, is God's trying to reveal things of himself to us while we are living here. Why? Because we're going to spend eternity with him, and he wants us to know a little bit about him. I've been walking with Jesus for 42 years, and I just feel like I'm just really getting to know him. There's so many things that, that are yet to be revealed. You know, I was just... Um, uh, Wednesday, Tuesday and Wednesday, I was in in uh, Lincoln, Nebraska, and um, uh, with a church that I work with there, and uh, we, were, we were singing this song. Maybe you remember, is it You Can Have It All? Remember that song? I don't, I'm not going to sing it. Huh? Yeah, no. Word will get out. We won't have anybody here second service. But you can have it all. And we were sitting with, and it was, I was standing there. We were worshiping, and I, I went back to 42 years ago, and when I said that to God, "You can have it all. This is my life's a mess, but you can have it. You can have it all." And and I was standing there Wednesday night, saying the same thing, God. You can. 42 years later, I'm saying the same thing. You can have it all. You can have all of me, God. Now, hopefully, I mean, 42 years ago, he didn't get much of a bargain. He didn't get much in that deal. But it was enough. And I stand here 42 years later, hopefully with just a little bit more, but my heart is still the same. You can have it all. You can have it all. Are we willing to say that? Are we willing to live that way? Maybe you're here today, and this is kind of some new thought for you, but I'll guarantee you this, that if from your heart you would make that commitment to God, the commitment that God makes to you will be so much more. 
because he's faithful. But all you got to say is, I gave it all to you. I give it all to you. And sometimes we go along, you know, maybe we've received Christ and we go along on our journey and, and things just kind of, we just kind of get to go by habit. This relationship with Jesus isn't just to be a habit. It's supposed to be a living, vibrant relationship. You know, progressive, learning, growing. Right, Joe? We're quick learners, right, Joe? Or Bob, excuse me, Bob. I I didn't get a reaction from you, so I thought, oh, I messed his name up. But Bob and I were talking about how quick learners we are as husbands. Okay, I repent. But that's okay. That's okay. Because here's what I found is Jesus will be really patient with you as you grow in this walk. And I think that's one of the things that that maybe over this last year and a half is that we've, we've hopefully, we've just, some things were revealed to us that we didn't understand or maybe, maybe, that we had, maybe that we had forgotten about. You know, one of the ways I've been explaining it is like, I had this car, it was a 2000 uh, Lexus RX 300. And my goal was to get 300,000 miles on it. His name was Lloyd, Lloyd the Lexus. How many of you name your cars? And the other half of you need to repent, because you probably did. <laughs> so Lloyd the Lexus. My goal was to get 300,000 miles on Lloyd. Well, especially that, you know, on the ladder of those, you know, 200,000 plus miles, Lloyd would have, uh, at times, check engine light would come on. Anybody ever have that? Check engine light come on. And, and so, you know, I put a code reader on there and try to figure out, you know, it was either a sensor or something like that. But there was, there was one time that I, I couldn't get figured out what, why I couldn't get the check engine light off. And so one day my neighbor said to me, he goes, well, I know how to fix that. I'm like, well, how? He says, just put tape over it. And that's what we've done in many ways over the last, at least the last several decades, I think, in the church world, is that there were some things that the Spirit of God was addressing to us and trying to bring attention, our attention to, and rather than addressing it, we put tape over it. And then what happened in 2020 is the tape got ripped off, and we were confronted with some things. And we had to deal with some things. And especially in the church world, what happened is, is the, the playing field got leveled. I don't care whether you're a church of 20,000 or a church of 20, everything got leveled. Nobody could meet on site. Nobody could do you know, certain things. Our whole world got turned upside down. And what, what I saw happen, what God did with that, I don't believe God caused it, but God surely took advantage of it is he began to reveal to us some things that we have lent, we had given too much of our lives, too much of our focus on systems and structures rather than on the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Now, systems and structures have their place, but they're not to replace the voice of God in our life. 
So we became obsessed with managing our, our existence through our systems and structures to the point that we stopped trusting God, depending on Jesus and listening, like I said, listening to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. I woke up at 4.30 this morning. Don't let that impress you. I wasn't impressed. But I woke up at 4.30 this morning and I was just, I was, I was laying in my room and I was just kind of praying. And, and usually when I wake up at that time, it's like, okay, funny God. This is real, real, real funny. 4.30 in the morning. But I've learned to value those times because usually God starts speaking to me about something. And he did because I was thinking about this, thinking about the message, thinking about today. And how we've, we got caught up in all these systems and things. And, you know, I work with a lot of church planters, connect with church planting organizations. And, and, and really, they have some good structures for church planting. It's really good. It's, it's too good almost like I said, to the point where we really don't need to hear the voice of God. But I also begin to see as a lot of these individuals grew weary real quick. And when 2020 rolled around, they were exhausted in a time of battle that they needed to have energy in life flowing from them and it, and they were trying and they were reacting to too many things rather than responding. And if you're not careful that's the way you can live your life as you react to everything rather than respond to it. Reaction is a fleshly thing. Response is by the influence and the unction of the spirit of God. And so the Lord reminded me this morning of this scripture I want to read to you. It's out of Matthew chapter 11. I'm going to read it to you from the message. I really like the translation. It says this, are you tired? I, I, I received so many, Pastor Sean, I received so many calls uh, the end of last year, the beginning of this year from pastors, from leaders saying, I'm exhausted. I'm, I'm just, I'm tired. I don't know if I can do this. And sad to say some of them, too many of them have said, I'm done with ministry. I'm, I'm getting out of this. I just, I can't do it. Which breaks my heart. Anyway, he says, this is, he says, are you tired? Ask Jesus. Are you worn out? Burn out on religion? He says, come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me. Listen to this. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I love that. See, there is a rhythm. There is a rhythm for your life, for your marriage, for your family, for your profession, your vocation. There is a rhythm in ministry. What is it? It's walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Hear the rhythm in that? Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. There's a rhythm that God has for us. And what we discovered in 2020 was this, how much out of rhythm we were. But thank God we're finding our rhythm. Amen. 
Thank God for our own personal lives. I pray that you're finding the rhythm of God for your life. The rhythm of heaven. The rhythm of the spirit of God in your life. And what is there's a refreshing that's coming. I was thinking about this. Corporate renewal or revival historically has come out of a personal renewal or revival. So many times we're waiting and we're talking about revival, and I think we, I think we are at the precipice. Maybe we'll get into this in a little bit, but I think we are. I think we've actually stepped into the beginnings of a great awakening in this nation. Now we have to be careful that we don't think that great awakening isn't happening because great awakening, there are some amazing spiritual awakenings that are happening around the globe right now. It's just that it's not happening in America right now. You get into the underground church in China, oh my gosh, amazing revival and great awakening has happened. You get into the African nations, South America, Middle East, Great awakened moves of God, powerful things, supernatural things are happening. We have to be careful to think, well, it's not happening because it's just not happening here. I got contraire, it's happening. For the first time in decades, the global church is now focusing its prayer on America. The global church is now praying and interceding for the church in America. Our history of renewals and awakening go back to one person having an experience with God that was too big to can be contained by that one person. You might be that person that God uses. Think about this. John Wesley. First great awakening. Wesley prayed for revival. And God used him. But the revival that God was sending was too big for just John Wesley. And it broke out. It broke out from him. William Wilberforce. Anybody familiar with him? God used him greatly in the movement to abolish slavery. Starting in England and then the overflow of that came into America. But it was Wilberforce, one man, that started this revival of life and the dignity of life that broke out and it was just too big for one man to contain and it started spreading across nations. William Seymour, the Azusa Street Revivals, not only changed this nation but went on to change uh, much of your Europe. One man. Billy Graham. Oh my gosh. Billy Graham. God used one man. Let me tell you a story about Billy Graham. I'm kind of giving you the end of the story beginning, but nevertheless. So, um, Dr. Edwin Orr, who was one of the foremost scholars at the time, this is 1940, um, one of the foremost scholars on revivals, was teaching a class at Wheaton College to a group of, of individuals that were... Uh, seminary students, senior class of seminary students. And what he did is he took them on a tour. Maybe some of you have heard this story. He took them on a tour of places of revival. 
of revivalists and revivalists. So one of the places, that, one of the last places they went to was in England. They went to John Wesley's house where he lived uh, a good part of his time there. And took, and they took, walked through the house looking at And they ended up in Wesley's bedroom. And as they were in the bedroom just looking, they noticed that uh, on this rug next to the bed were two worn spots. And Dr. Orr explained to them, they said, that's where John Wesley kneeled in hours and hours of prayer, praying for revival. And so they, they left, they finished, they got everybody back on the bus, and, and Bruce knows what it's like getting everybody back on the bus, right, Bruce? These are my good friends, Bruce and Marie Jones. I've known Bruce and Marie for many years. And you want to talk about faithfulness. These two have just been so faithful. And it's so good to see you. It's so good to see you. So anyway, Dr. Gore gets everybody back on the bus. He's counting heads. Right, Bruce? You've got to count heads before you leave. And he realized he was one short. So he went back through the house, started walking through the house, and he ended up finding the, this young man in John Wesley's bedroom kneeling in those bare spots, his knees and those knees. And when he walked in, he heard him praying this prayer. God, do it again. God, do it again. Do it again, God, and use me. God, use me. And he went over and laid his hand on that young seminary student and said, son, we need to go. And that young man stood up. His name was... Billy Graham. And God took him up on that prayer. And God did it again. And he used Billy Graham to change the spiritual culture of this nation. I think about John Wimber. In the vineyard church plant movement. And not only that, but of how that affected the culture, the spiritual culture in this nation, but also the worship culture. So much of the worship culture in this nation was, was, went through a transformation with the vineyard music and everything. So I'm sharing all this with you to encourage you to understand that the future is not bleak. You know, we hear all this banting around about, you know, the United States is quickly following France and Germany and their, you know, their secularism and it's not too many years we're going to be a completely secular, you know, nation and Christianity is going to die. Well, let me give, let me give you a few stories about that. So, in the 18th century, Voltaire and Diderot, they were two French Enlightenment philosophers, said this. They both said this, that religion would be gone by the 19th century. Guess what happened? 1740, George Whitfield, John Wesley, Jonathan Edwards, and the First Great Awakening. They said religion was going to die, and there's a Great Awakening. Then in the 19th century, Augusta Comte, probably anybody ever heard of him? Get this, he planted atheist churches. That's I can't find a greater oxymoron than that right there. He planted atheist churches all across the world. He said this, that by uh, the 20th century, all the cathedrals in Paris would be empty because Christianity would be dead. 1850 rolls around, Charles Finney and the Second Great Awakening. So I'm, I'm reading these things 
And I'm also hearing these talking heads and they're talking about, oh, you know, secularization, post-Christian and everything. I just said, keep talking, boys. Just keep talking. Because that's what they said then and God showed up with a great awakening. And I believe God's going to do it again. I believe God's going to do it again. And that's been my prayer. God, do it again. And use me. Use me, God. Use me however you can in this. But God, do it again. And I believe if that becomes our cry. And, and, and I want to encourage you. There are some things that we need to contend for with and by the Spirit of God. We need to get serious about contending for the spiritual state of this nation. And we need to begin to cry out to God, do it again. Do it again, God. Do it again. Use me. Use me. Amen? I think about Scripture in out of Matthew 16, 18. Jesus said this, and I tell you, remember he, Jesus asked the disciples this question. He says, who do people say that I am? You know? They said, well, something you're Elijah, the you know, prophet, and some of this. And Jesus said, he says, who do you think I am? And Peter said, you're the son of God. And so Jesus responds, he says, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, what was that rock? The revelation of Jesus. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Those are the words of Jesus. So when I hear all these talking heads talking about the whole thing of post-Christianity, secularization, everything, I think it, I'm going to believe this word. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Romans 8.31 says this, If God be for me, who can be against me? If God be for me, who can be against me? Think about that. If God is for me, you might as well be too. Because God's for me. And if you're against me, God's for me, guess what? You're against... I'm being a little humorous with that, but... But that needs to be the conviction of God. Listen to this. In, in uh, Psalm 145, verse 13, says, Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. These are the truths of God. This is the word of God. Guess what? The church isn't going to go away. Christianity isn't going away, my friends. You got to be careful what you listen to. Faith comes by what? Hearing. Where does fear come from? Hearing. It all depends on what you're listening to. All depends on what you are letting become an influence in your life. So there are three essentials for an irresistible transformational culture. I'm going to share these with you real quick. Pastor Sean said, we have two services this morning, but I could make it all one service. No, not really. 
Let me give you three things that, that create a transformational culture. One is a revelation of Jesus. When I say that, people go, oh, well, yeah. But here's what I find. Again, years of pastoring. People know about Jesus, but they don't know Jesus. There's a big difference. I'm talking about knowing him. I'm talking about having a depth of, of relationship that you know him. See, if I just knew about Bruce and Marie Jones, if I just knew about them, somebody could convince me that they're just dirty, rotten scoundrels. But I know Bruce and Marie Jones. If somebody came to me and said they're liars, they're cheats, you can't trust them, I'd say, huh, <laughs> get away from me. Be gone. Why? Because I know Bruce and Marie Jones. They were some of the most faithful, honest, integral people that I know. They're, they love Jesus with all of their hearts. They've given their lives to living for Christ. They've made sacrifices after sacrifices after sacrifices for so many people. That's who they are. That's who. See, I know them. That's the difference. Do you know Jesus? Or do you just know about him? The second thing is creating a place for the presence of God. Oh, it's so important. That's what I love about coming here. It's because you all create a place for the presence of God. You know, if Jesus, what if, you know, he did in an essence, but if, if he just wanted us to just worship the whole service and me not say anything, I'd have been happy with that. Because it's about him. And we need to, in our own personal lives, are you creating a place for the presence of God in your own personal life? Not just on Sunday morning or Saturday night, but in your own personal lives, are you creating a place for his presence. We do that through worship, through prayer, through the word. This is the way we need to have the presence of God. Too many churches I've gone through through the years that everything looks good. That's where I come to this conclusion. You can relatively easy build a large, successful church in America that is absent of the presence of God. I don't really want to be a part of that. Years ago, I went into a church, big church. And uh, here's what they said to me. They said, uh, we don't want you to talk about sin. We don't want you to talk about the blood of Jesus. And they listed this litany of things. I said, can I talk about the cross? Oh, yeah, you can talk about Can I talk about Jesus? Oh, yeah, you can talk about Jesus. I said, well, how in the world can I talk about the cross and Jesus without talking about sin and, and the blood and the redemptive blood of Christ? They kind of looked at me like, thank God that church has changed, completely changed your culture. There are 180 degrees of that from that now. But, but that's where we were getting. Because we don't, we don't want to talk about sin. We don't talk about blood of Jesus that cleanses us, that redeems us, that brings us into the restorative relationship with God that he intended from the very beginning.
So we create these places of the presence, even in your home. You know what it does if you do it in your home? You'll find that, that, there, that there is this peace that begins to abide in your home. So you don't know my house. It's crazy. Well, maybe try this. Try just creating a, a place for the presence of God. It's, it's, it's so important. I, I'm, I'm going to share this with you, and it's not, I don't want it to come across wrongly, but um, because it's not about attention to me, but as, whenever I'm in a hotel room, I never turn the TV on, and I always have worship music on the whole time. Why? It's because I want to control the environment. I want the environment in that hotel room to be an environment of peace and the presence of God. I'm going to practice what I preach. That's all God's asking us to do is really live out the reality of, of who he is in our life. It's not that difficult. Okay? The last thing is, we can touch on this, is knowing the voice of God. That's so important, especially today. Just knowing the voice of God. Um, and there's many ways that... You learn the voice of God. And that's a whole other teaching. I'll let Pastor Sean teach you that. Okay. So, I've said all that to end up here in this scripture out of Job. Kind of a roundabout way of getting there. Because the title of this message was, I smell water. Kind of a weird, I know, title. But Job, it came out of this scripture from Job. Because I'm talking about what I'm seeing today and what's happening and what I'm sensing. And so Job chapter 14, verse 7 through 9 says this, there is hope for a tree. If you cut it down, it'll grow again. It will keep sending out new branches. Its roots may grow old in the ground and its stump may die in the dirt, but at the smell of water, it will bud. It will put out new shoots like a plant. And so I kept, when, I, when I was meditating on this scripture, I come across it. I'm thinking, you know, with everything that's being said about, you know, Christianity dying and everything, I was like, now, God, I smell water. I smell water. And there is a, there is a new, there is a newness, there is a fresh growth, a new fresh growth of the Spirit of God that's beginning to move across our land. And we're beginning to see it. We were talking just about lives of people that have been changed. And, and the church that I'm a part of, 60% of the people in our church have never been to church before. We're a church of about 300. So about 200 and some of the people in, in our church right now have never been, hadn't been in church. What is that? That's those new shoots. Plants, and that's what I'm seeing because I smell water. And, and, and the thing about it is I was meditating and I was like, oh, God, I smell water. I was sitting on my screened-in porch. And, oh, God, I smell water. I smell water. You know what happened? All of a sudden it started raining. And I'm like, yeah, Lord, I get it. I get it. I, th I don't know if it rained anywhere else but my backyard. But it started raining. Why? Because God was affirming to me that he's heard our cry. 
and that he's sending the smell of water. And there is a growth, a new growth that is beginning to sweep across the church in America that is bringing awakening, it's bringing revival, it's bringing new life, it's bringing restoration and hope to so many people. That's what we're in the midst of. And maybe today, maybe today, maybe you say, yeah, Mike, I, I kind of feel like that old stump. I kind of I feel like things have dried up. I got news for you. I got good news for you. Today is a day that you can begin to put forth new shoots out of your life. Why don't you stand with me this morning? I want to pray for you. And maybe you're here today. Maybe you don't know or you're really kind of questioning this whole Jesus thing. Or maybe you've walked with the Lord many years, but you still find your life this place where it just seems dry, empty. I want to pray for you today. And what I want you to do is just in your heart, I'm not calling anybody up, I'm not asking anybody to raise hand, none of that. Because this is really about you and Jesus right here, right now. It's about whether you're going to say, yes, Lord, I'm going to give it all to you. I'm going to put my confidence, my faith, because as that song said, you're the future. So, Lord, I pray right now for every individual in this room. I don't, I don't know where many of these people are at in their walk with you, in their journey in life. But Lord, I pray right now that everyone in here that needs to have fresh growth, new growth in their life, something new in their life, the new direction, new hope, new conviction, new faith, new trust, new love in their life, Lord, I pray that today you move in their lives in such a way by the Spirit of God, you move in their lives and you release that new growth into their lives because, Lord, today I smell water. I smell water, Lord. I smell it in my heart. I smell it in the, in the center of my being and my spirit. I smell water. It's sweeping, it's moving like a torrent of rain across the lives of these people. And I thank you, Jesus. I thank you that you are the future. And I thank you that you are faithful. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.